You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this exciting message by Matt Peterson. All right. Thank you. And thank you. Great to be here. Great to see you guys. Many faces I've known for a long time. And uh, many that I don't, but uh, just great being here with you guys on this uh, beautiful Sunday in a great place. And, uh, you know, I, this is a, a church that I really have a heart for and love. And though I'm not here a lot, uh, I think about you guys a lot. And, of course, I'm, I've had a friendship with uh, Robin and Donna uh, for a long, long time. Their kids, their family. Andy and many, many of you that I see out here, I see Leonard out there, people that I've known for over 20 years, and uh, just really thankful for what God is doing here, what he's doing in you, what's ahead, the things that are going on right now, and what God has yet ahead. And uh, I also brought my son Sam with me today, so this is my third born, sad to bring him. He's uh, third in the chain, but he's the tallest. He hits about 6'3", and I don't know where that came from. But uh, all right, I want to jump in on something. I'd like to, if we could, uh, pray again. I'm, I'm thankful. Thank you, Stephen, for praying for me, and this isn't to negate that. I just am wanting even just the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to speak to each of us today. So if you pray with me, Lord, thank you for your word, for the remarkable words that you have brought together here and kept and sustained for these thousands of years for us to enjoy. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would illuminate, that you would communicate to each of us beyond these words that I speak. I ask that you would take them and that you would communicate personally to each person and that you would speak to us, that you would encourage us, that you'd build us up. And I thank you for what you are doing, and thank you for the invitations that you've given to us, and thank you for the reality that we get to live in today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, Mark 9 is uh, my assignment today. So I love uh, the scriptures. I love getting to talk about I mean, You take any place in the scripture, and there's just so much life in it because it's living. Right? It's, it's, it's alive. So you touch any part of it and there's something alive in it. And we need this word. We need these scriptures. You know, I say more than ever, I feel that way. Uh, certainly I, I needed it just as much last week and the month before, but I feel the need for the word so much now in a world that is so confused, that is so incredibly confused and disoriented and deceived in so many ways. We read the scriptures, this living thing, and there's clarity that comes for everything. And so that's one of the wonderful things. In addition to that, it's a springboard. I see the Bible as uh, not to be worshipped, but it, I see it like a springboard, like a diving board that you jump in and then it springs you into relationship with God. It helps you to see who he is and what he's like and the permissions that we have and the invitation to come into him and to abide in him is what Jesus said, abide in me. And so this word does that. It's like it's a springboard. You, you taste it. You get hungry. It's like you, you, you see another aspect of God, and it, it changes us. It does something. And by the way, as, as we get in here, um, you realize that the verses and chapters really didn't get 
placed inside of this word until the 1500s. And so before that, it was just a string. They had some breaks and some sections, particularly in the, the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. But the verses and the chapters weren't inserted till about 500 years ago. And so sometimes they, you know, they did a great job, and I'm so glad they did that. But sometimes you'll get a thought or you'll get a story that it might be mid-story or mid-thought or mid-experience, and it goes to the next chapter. So sometimes when you read that verse 1 of a chapter, it's actually in the middle of something else. And so I want to actually step back a couple of verses into Mark chapter 8 and 34 to start out because it gives a little bit of context for what's coming. It says, And he, Jesus, summoned the crowd with his disciples, and he said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, anyone, here's this huge invitation, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. If you lose your life for my sake and the gospel's sake, you're going to save your life. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Speaking of his second coming. And then it goes into chapter 9, and it's basically you know, a, a continued conversation here. And Jesus was saying to them, Truly I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here right now who will not taste death. Death has a taste, apparently. Until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. There are some of you standing here, he says, who are going to see the kingdom of God when it comes with power. Verse 2 of chapter 9, six days later after he said that, Jesus took with him Peter and James, and John, and brought them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. Now that word transfigured, there's a lot in there. Some of your translations may say transformed. He was changed entirely. There's a transfiguration, what we call the Mount of Transfiguration, this story where Jesus changed appearance. He took them up on a high mountain. This is such an interesting story. Takes only three of the twelve with him. They climb up there. And in Luke, it tells a story in Luke as well. And in Luke, Jesus takes them up there and they fall asleep. That's not shared here, but I'm sure that's what happened. These guys, they fall asleep, probably while Jesus is praying. And as maybe one of them wakes up, they see something going on that they've never seen before. Jesus is transfigured. He's transformed. He had just said, some of you are going to see the kingdom come with power before you taste of death. Six days later, something of the kingdom exudes from him that has never been seen before. He changes. The inside of who he is, the, the God, he's 100% God, he's 100% man, but who he is on the inside starts shining through his skin. I don't know if his face looked different like it did in, at the end of Luke, in Luke 24, when they didn't recognize him at all. I'm not exactly sure. What I know is that 
he looks entirely different, and his clothing begins to glow, as it says here. And his garments became radiant and exceedingly white, as no launderer on earth can whiten them. So the radiance on the inside of him changes its clothing as well. Everything around him is is changed. He's illuminating. He's shining brightly. And then it says in verse 4, Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. So Jesus looks different. Elijah's there, and Moses is there, which I find pretty fascinating. Have you ever wondered how they knew that it was Elijah and Moses. <laughs> I've wondered that as well. And we don't have the answer to that. It's not like they had name tags on, as far as I know. And I don't think that Jesus said, Hey, uh, let me introduce these two guys to the three disciples, because they were sleeping. When they, he's, he's speaking with them. And he, I have some ideas, not that this is necessarily how it happened. There's, who knows? But have you ever had dreams where you see someone in a dream and you know their name and you have no idea how you know them, but you know them. I think sometimes dreams are glimpses of kingdom realities of what heaven is going to be like and what the kingdom is like in its fullness. You get discernments of spirit sometimes. Sometimes I have known someone's name without knowing their name. It just I just knew their name. That's happened to me several times. It happens to my wife more than it does to me. Just walk up to someone and just you know their name. And maybe that was part of what happened. Perhaps because of what was going on, they suddenly knew who these guys were. Or maybe they heard during the conversation Jesus refer to them as Elijah and Moses. I have no idea. We don't know. But here's the other question I have. When I read the Bible, and maybe you do this as well, I ask questions. And I wonder, why, why did this happen who is the, why are you saying this, Lord? What's the context of this? What, why did you bring this out? Why are these, and here's the other thing for me is, why Elijah and Moses? There are a lot of people in heaven. There are a lot of amazing people in heaven, a lot of saints who, you know, Esther could have been there, and Ruth could have been there, or, I mean, Abraham could have been there. could have been many people speaking with Jesus. Have you ever wondered that? Why Elijah, why Moses? Why Jesus creates this experience for his three guys to see? And as I've wondered this and asked the Lord about it, something that came to mind, though, again, this isn't definitive, don't exactly know, but when I think of Moses, I think of several things. I think of the law, for one, is it was through Moses that the law came. And in Matthew 5, it says that Jesus said of himself that he came to fulfill all the law. So basically, the baton was handed to Jesus from Moses, and he's going to fulfill it all for all of us so that we don't have to because it's impossible to fulfill. Jesus did that. And then you've got Elijah there who could represent, when I think of Elijah, I think of the first of the prophets or certainly a prominent prophet on behalf of a nation, was Elijah. So they could represent the law and the prophets, which is what you call oftentimes the Old Covenant as well. 
right? The law and the prophets. So in one sense, they are a picture or perhaps symbolic of the old covenant standing there speaking with Jesus, as well as they are people who really lived and fulfilled the purpose that God had for them. So here you have the new covenant man, the brand new um, sinless lamb who is here, who's not necessarily brand new. He's been forever, but here he is as the son of man walking in skin, communicating with everything that represents what has been. The law and the prophets, everything that's been communicated all this time up to this moment. Here's Jesus speaking with them. And I think there's a lot going into this because Jesus is that fulfillment of all of those shadows that were before. That you know, Moses wrote a lot of the uh, of the Bible, and as he was writing things and experiencing things, and as things happened with the tabernacle of Moses and all of those things, it says they were pictures. Paul talks about that. They were pictures. They were shadows of things to come. But the fullness is Jesus. So here's the fullness man talking with Moses and Elijah. Pretty amazing. Verse 5, Peter said to Jesus, he speaks up, he's fully awake. It says that in Luke as well, that they, once they were fully awake, once they see these three talking, Peter says to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, or tents or memorials, which does make sense. He recognizes one of them is Moses. Moses is famous for making tabernacles. So how about we make one right now? Peter excitedly jumps in. Let's make one for each of you, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Verse 6, for he did not know what to answer. Have you ever just blurted stuff out in the middle of a situation where you really never, you didn't really think through it? That was me. I've done that many times. I think Peter's doing this here a little bit. For they became terrified. There was a terror that they felt in the midst of this experience, watching Jesus transfigured, seeing two dead men speaking and fully alive. There was an amount of terror, a level of terror that they felt, and he just blurts something out. After he blurts this out, and in the message it says, he blurted out without thinking, stunned as they all were by what they were seeing, And then something happens. A cloud begins to form. The air gets thick. And this cloud forms all around them. And then a voice. The voice of the Father speaks at this moment. I mean, what a day. This is, this is, uh, you've got stuff going on that has never happened before in this way. And, It says, the father speaks, the cloud form overshadowing, and a voice came out of the cloud, and it says, this is my beloved son, listen to him. This is my beloved son, listen to him. That's basically the interruption of Peter saying, let's build something. Let's erect a tent. Let's make a memorial to this experience. What's going on right now? Let's, let's. Let's remember this by making a tent to honor all three. Not necessarily a bad idea, but it wasn't what the Father had in mind for them to take away from that experience. The Father brings this cloud. He speaks, 
And he says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. The part that stands out to me is the listen part. I don't know if that stood out to you when you read that or we just read that. He's highlighting something. He's highlighting the son over Moses and Elijah, for one. He's highlighting something that he is wanting to take place in these disciples. This experience is for these disciples. As much as it was for anybody else, it was for these disciples to see this. Jesus brought them there to witness this. And Jesus was the one highlighted here. And the Father, even more so, says, listen to him. You know, in our world, in my world, probably in your world, listening is one of the most difficult things that we have to do. We live now in a world more than I'd say any, by far, any generation before us where there are more noises, where there are more voices, where there is, and and even the teachings, I get pounded in a way from friends of mine who have, I would say, really grabbed hold of a movement that is based on the law of Moses, that's gone backwards, and those voices are getting louder. You see the voices of the world super loud. You know, just having um, devices, my phone. I was in an airport recently. I was about to fly out, windows everywhere, and it was right next to the runway, so you could see these planes taking off and landing. And I was mesmerized. I love those. I've, I've, I've flown for many, many years. It still amazes me when I get into a metal tube with wings that goes in the air. It's just, it really is phenomenal to me. And I think... Anybody in history that's over a, over 100 years ago would be flabbergasted to see what we get to do in climbing into an airplane. But I was there watching, and I was just watching these planes take off, one after the other. And just in, amazed at this power. And I looked around in the terminal, and I just noticed, and, and I'm on my phone a lot, too. But every person in the terminal was on their phone. Every single one was receiving some sort of entertainment or working or vegging, or something, but they were completely, every single, there wasn't one person with their head up. And I thought, here are these windows with what's going on on the outside that is pretty incredible, and no one is watching this at this moment. I think of the things that are going on outside, the clouds, the trees, the sunshine, the birds. I had the Lord translate a bird song to me, recently, which was interesting. It says that God has made creation, and so every person is without excuse to not recognize that there is a God because of the way of the things he's made. But you know what? We hardly see what he's made in nowadays. We're looking at this instead. And I'm not saying it to bring condemnation. I'm saying, because I am in the same boat, I, we, have this great challenge which Peter had which James and John had, and that's this. There's a lot going on, and they want to build something and erect something and do something great. And the father says, that's not what this is about. He says, I'm wanting you to get out of this, to listen to the Son of God, the Son of Man, who you're walking with every day. That hits me all the way in here. 
Because the most important thing that you and I can do today is to listen to him. Because he's still speaking. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They know me and they follow me. But they hear my voice. They listen. If you're in a marriage and you never listen to your spouse, it's going to be a difficult marriage. Right? If there's only input and talking but never listening, you don't get to know the person. You don't get to hear what is in their heart. All those things. Jesus is talking all the time and it takes, man, it takes a intentional act for me to quiet the noises and to listen specifically for the Son of God to speak to me. Do you guys, does anybody else have the same battle or is it just me? But to do that is life. I don't, if you ever, um, well, no, I, I love history. I love Christian history. I read some of Christian history every single day. Read characters from the past. And one of them that uh, is, is a hero of mine is George Washington Carver, who was born during the Civil War, born under slavery, became an orphan. But he met the Lord along the way. And he said, here's a quote that he, uh, that he said himself. He said, uh, all my life I've risen regularly at four in the morning to go into the woods and to talk with God. And that's where he reveals his secrets to me. When everyone else is asleep, I hear God best and learn my plan. Of course, you know, if George Washington Carver was the guy who said, God, show me the, the mysteries of the universe. And the Lord said to him, uh, that's too much for you, but I'll show you the mysteries of a peanut. And through that, in the next few days, he got 300 different uses for a peanut. It changed the agricultural economy in our country through that one question at four in the morning, listening. Asking a question, listening to the God of the universe. He did that every day, made a practice of it. The next thing he did was he lifted up a sweet potato and said, Lord, show me about this thing. Got 115 uses. The Lord just downloaded this stuff from him as he listened to him. And I think that it's not just there. I really believe that this is for every single one of us to, to, to listen to the Father. Man, it's so easy. You know, one of the first things that I find myself doing when I wake up in the morning is grabbing my phone. Very first thing, see what emails have come in, see what's going on. That is, I have to be so intentional to not do that. One of the last things I often do when I go to bed. What has someone said? What's going on Instagram? Whatever. That is, it can, it will try, the enemy's going to use whatever, and not, and nothing is evil in a, a digital media. It's not that. It's that there's something greater. There's something so much better to say good morning and say good night to the king of the universe who's speaking with us, who loves us, who's there with us every moment of the day, who'll never leave us or forsake us. And he desires this intimacy with us where we are just abiding in him and we have 
we're utilizing the technology, we're utilizing catching up with friends and seeing what's going on with everyone going on, but we're not, that world is not, has not become our world where it doesn't take over our thoughts, our emotions, our energy, and everything, all of our attention. So, super quiet in here. I may not get invited back, but anyway, you guys all right? It's just, it's part of my own personal battle. And it's a battle with, uh, with my kids as well. I mean, they're raising kids in a generation where um, it can be difficult for them to know what to do apart from a device in their hand. It's a, it's a difficult thing. The father says, by the way, I can only find that the father spoke audibly three times in the New Testament. This is one of them. The first one was when Jesus was baptized. Right? And again he said, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. And then he started his ministry from there. The other one was when Jesus said this prayer while he was, he said it out loud around other people. He says, I'm going to glorify, Father, glorify your name. And the Father responded, I have and I will again. I'm going to keep glorifying my name. So you got these audible voice of the Father at specific moments. And this is one where he says to listen to. Jesus. Listen to what he says. Isaiah 50 verse 4 says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples, that I may know how to sustain the weary one with the word. Here's how. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. That's Isaiah 50 verse 4. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. Okay, let's move on. I'm going to try and get to at least three of these sections of this chapter. The chapter is basically broken up into four different stories or scenes or sections. Let's drop down to verse 16. And this is after Jesus comes down from the mountain with the guys. They've had this experience. They've heard the Father. They've seen all this. Plus, Jesus said, don't tell anybody about this until later. But verse 16, it says, and he asked them, well, we need to read the 14, sorry. 14, when they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. Immediately when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And he asked them, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought you my son, possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. Verse 18, and whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth, and he grinds his teeth and stiffens out. So this guy's been suffering with uh, watching his son go through this for a long time. And I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. And Jesus answered them and said, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Wow. Bring him to me. There's a little bit of um, frustration, perhaps, in Jesus that those that have been following him that have been released and have gone out and have cast out demons previously, that in this moment, that whatever is going on inside this boy, man, we don't know how old he is, that their faith was not there. Maybe it was because Jesus wasn't standing close by, I don't know. Maybe it's because of 
what they were feeling about themselves. Maybe they didn't feel as as close to God, I'm not sure. But whatever it was, their faith wasn't a place where they really believed that this demon was going to get cast out. And Jesus, in, in a way, really does rebuke them here. How long will I put up with you? Come on, guys. It's like when he was in the boat, you know, and the storm came, and he was asleep. When he woke up, he was expecting them to address the storm. The followers of Jesus who follow him around and watch what he does, who learn about what he does, there's something inside of God that then expects us to behave the way that Jesus behaves, the way that he acts, the way that he lives, the faith that he has. There is an expectation from heaven that we would have, that our faith would grow and that we would respond as sons and daughters as well. And you, you see that here. Jesus is saying, come on, guys, have, have some faith here. So they brought the boy to Jesus. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion. And falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. Jesus isn't bothered. Verse 21, while he's foaming at the mouth, rolling on the ground, he turns to his dad and says, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. So he was probably an adult at this point. From child, this has been going on for years. I mean, can you imagine uh, if you're a parent and this has been happening to your child over and over and over and over? And then he explains to him what happens. He says, from child, is, it has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. He's had to go into the fire to get his, his son out. He's had to get into the water to pull his son out. Thrashing around, foaming at the mouth. And then he says, but... If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And again, there's a response from Jesus like we've never seen in the scriptures. Is his response here. And Jesus said to him, if you can. If you can. It's a question mark. All things are possible to him who believes. Everything is possible to him who believes. The father has just said, listen to this Jesus. Listen to this son. And these are the kind of things he's saying. All things are possible. There's not one thing that's impossible to the person who will believe. Boy, believing is not highlighted as much anymore. Having great faith isn't talked about as much anymore. Believing that Jesus can do anything is not talked about as much anymore. And I can find myself in ruts in life where I lean on so many other things other than God. And then all of a sudden it's like I realize I'm in this place. It's like, oh my goodness, my, I've lost my faith. Lord, help. Get me back out of this. I take the wheel. If you're ever in a rut, I grew up in the mountains. And in the springtime when you drive on a, a dirt road... Your car sinks down because it's wet roads often. And then, you know, after in the summer, it's got these big ruts on there. And you can just drive, let go of the wheel, and the car will just go follow that road for a long time. And you have to take that wheel and yank it to get out of that place. And I have to do that in my soul and spirit at times. Because I can get in a place where it's just going through the motions without needing faith. Without having, I need it, but I don't have it. And to get back into a place of faith, you have to... That means stepping up. That means believing 
something more than all the things that are surrounding us, all the systems that are around us that are working so well, that are keeping us alive and making things work well and having electricity and health and all that, and I've got doctors and all, and I'm so thankful for every one of those. I just got back from Africa. I'm thankful for all those things. Yet, I have the challenge personally to be a man who stays in faith, who believes that God can do anything at any moment, and to believe his words. Jesus said this, truly, truly, in John 14, 12, he who believes in me, the things that I do, the works that I do, you will do also. And even greater ones, because I'm going to the Father. Jesus said that truly, truly. So belief is so essential. Trusting in him is so essential. If I find myself in a rut, I need to yank myself out of there. Because I've got to stay in a place of believing him, of trusting him, of having huge hope in him. Of believing for large things as well. Health for people. Demons get kicked out of people. Praying for someone right now. Uh, a young guy in my church who is, uh, has a brain tumor. And, I, you know, the doctors are saying, we've got one last thing we can try. And they're doing it right now. But I need faith to believe. I need to believe. And that's what this father recognizes. Verse 24, it says, immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. He makes a confession. I'm choosing to believe right now that you can do something that's never happened in my son's life. Help my unbelief. That's a great prayer also. That's humility. Help my unbelief. Where I don't believe, help me to believe. Where there's a a gap inside of me in believing, would you help that? That's a good prayer. Jesus, fill the gap in of belief so that I am in that place of believing you. When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. After crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, there were still some demonic manifestations that were going on. Jesus is unfaced. He knows. He has said it, so it will happen. It came out. And the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said he's dead. I've seen that before. I've seen demons come out of people and the person looks like they're dead. And they're so calm and peace-filled like that. But Jesus took him by the hand, raised him up. Let's drop down to this last portion here. Um, Verse 30. Let's drop down to 30. And from there they went out and began to go through Galilee. And he did not want anyone to know about it. For he was teaching his disciples and telling them this. The Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. And when he has been killed, he will rise three days later. He lets his guys know as they're walking. This is, you know, all these amazing things that have happened, where we're headed, what we're doing. In their minds, you know, they were thinking, we're going to rule and reign with him in Jerusalem soon. That's exactly the kind of things they were thinking. We talk about that at a different time. But Jesus says, the Son of Man, he's going to be delivered in the hands of men. They're going to to kill him. And he didn't even talk about the cruelty by which he would die. 
But they did not understand the statement, verse 32. And they were afraid to ask him what it meant. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he began to question them. Because he heard them talking while, after he said a few things, he heard them discussing some things, and he said, what were you discussing along the way? But they had kept silent. For on the way, they had discussed with one another which of them was the greatest. Isn't that interesting? So three were just on the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw Jesus transfigured. They heard the Father, in a sense, rebuke them and invite them to listen to the Son. Then they weren't able to cast out a demon, and Jesus had to. And the next discussion they have is, which one of them is the greatest? Didn't that seem like an odd moment to have a discussion about, man, I'm better than you. I, you know, Don't you remember back when I did this? Or That is just so bizarre. Right after Jesus says he's going to die and rise again. That's, you know... That's just really, really odd, but it's, it is what it is. And I think of, you know, I know that I think about and talk about odd things, and odd things are in my heart at moments when God doesn't want them there. <laughs> I'm thinking about the wrong thing sometimes. When he's wanting to elevate my vision and help me to be thinking about something else or something he's, or another person. So I'm no different than them, but it is an interesting moment right there. And then it says, sitting down, verse 35, he called the twelve and said to them, if anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. You know, one of the things that Jesus does is he brings a revolution to our brain and he overthrows our thinking and he switches it around and he brings a reality of what the kingdom is like. You know, that's part of what Every encounter with Jesus is like a confrontation to the way that we think things are. (laughs) And it's such a good thing if we are listening to him. Because if we're listening to him, because he he will show us that it's the opposite of what we think. And it's different than what we have thought. And if we sign up for what he says, like all things are possible, then there's new horizons to be seen. There's brand new things to discover And there's new life to experience when we listen to his words. I think that's one of the reasons why the father was so adamant. Listen to this son. He's going to show you how to live. He's going to show you how to do things you've never thought possible. So Jesus then says, of course, he knew what they were discussing. They they don't tell him, but he knows anyway. Tells them that if you want to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Then verse 36, taking a child... He found a child. Some have said here that they made it back to Peter's house and that Peter had children, which we don't know. But that's one of the commentaries here. He took a child and he set him before them and taking him in his arms. Grab this young child in his arms. He said to them, whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me. And whoever receives me does not receive me, but him who sent me. They're arguing about which one's the greatest. Jesus takes that moment to highlight a child, which is going to be the exact opposite of everything they're thinking. A child. You know, in that culture, and I'm going to say, as I just mentioned, I just got back from Africa, in much of the world, 
children are not considered um, precious in some places. They're not considered uh, valuable in some places. And even in, I would say, the culture in this country, years ago as well, children were to be seen and not heard. That was a a saying that uh, I grew up around. And you don't want to hear from them. They're, you know... Get out of the way. They're a nuisance. They're a bother. They're, they make noises. They cry. They all, they're always trying to have fun. It's the adults that are... So you have the... Whatever sessions or conferences or whatever, it's for the adults. The kids, you know, they're, they're just kids. That type, Jesus addresses that head-on, grabs a child and says... And, and it says actually in three of the other Gospels or two of the other Gospels, the story where he says, you're not going to enter the kingdom unless you become like this child. Matthew 18 says that. You don't enter the kingdom unless you become like this child. Unless you change your thinking. It's not about who's the greatest. It's about who serves the most and is the most childlike, not the most childish, the most childlike. I was thinking about kids, you know, a couple of things that stand out. I have five of them. Of course, they're growing from children to men now. But when I think about when they were little in particular, probably the age that Jesus took this kid and wrapped him up and put him on his knee, I think about that age. There are many around here that you guys have. You know, kids, some of the qualities of them is that they forgive super easily. Have you noticed that? Someone whacks them in the head with a plastic bat. Clunk! They're going to cry, they're going to scream, and next thing you know, two minutes later, they're playing with that same kid. They forgave just like that. I have um, done the wrong thing, even discipline-wise, with my own kids sometimes. When I recognize it, I'll ask them to forgive me. And how long do they harbor that wrong move by a parent? About two seconds. And it's gone. They are so resilient and they are looking at all moments of life to have fun. Right? Jesus says, if you want to be the greatest, be converted. Be like a child. Have more fun. Right? Have a lightness. Have something else about kids. They trust their parents. They just trust them. They are not worried about what they're going to eat that day. I mean, my kids, I doubt they've ever thought... One time, other than what kind of food, that's different. That's different. But they've not worried. Oh, mama, I wonder. I wonder. They've not had any worry about how they're going to, are they going to have clothing? Are they going to have food? Are we going to be able to drive? Are we going to have a place to sleep? They've never thought about any of that stuff, I guarantee. They are thinking about having fun. They're thinking about trusting us all the way, or they are just doing that, necessarily thinking about it. And they enjoy being around their parents, too, when they're little. Isn't that something? They really do. They enjoy being around dad. They enjoy being around mom. They want to go with them wherever they go. In fact, you find moms hiding themselves in closets. Right? Because the child wants to be with them 24-7. That's a child-like nature wanting to be around their parents. That, in the kingdom sense, is us wanting to be around him all the time. 
wanting to be around him, pursuing him. Where'd you go? What are you saying today, Papa? What's going on, Jesus? I'm listening. It's that heart, that pursuit of their parents and trusting everything's going to be okay. And how much fun can we have today in the midst of the stuff we've got to do that's serious? Now, Robin is a great picture of that, by the way. Robin is a guy who likes to have fun. In fact, he and I used to work together. And I'm more of the serious one, and he is not as much. And there are times that I'd be in my office working, got a pile of stuff to do. I worked way too much. And Robin would, without knocking at times, open the door to my office. And with that booming voice, he doesn't need it. We don't need a sound system when Robin is speaking as well, right? He has this amazing voice that carries. He would open my door and say, let the fun begin. (laughs) He used to do that regularly to me and just mess with me. It's like, get out of here. I've got work to do. That's Robin. He has a hold of some of that, of childlikeness, of and having that hunger for God. I love that about Robin. He has a hunger for God. And he is childlike in that way. Those are some of the, just a handful of qualities about children. So I wrote anything else down. See, I think in the halls of heaven that are filled with millions of angels and saints... It's going to be a whole lot different than the rewarded ceremonies and the, the, all the glamour and glitz and the people that we elevate here. It's going to be the complete opposite there. According to what Jesus is saying, those who, are the, who serve others the most are the greatest. In other words, you've never heard of them. Yes, you've never heard of them. You've never heard their names. Here we're going to lift up, I know I could mention a bunch of names right now. And it's, it's the Hollywood, it's sports, it's entertainment, it's all those people in those world. They are the elevated ones. I saw a, uh, some sort of a feed or a news report or something that the word got out that this one person who's a musician was on the streets of New York City last week. And just that word getting out, people, they were showing them running. I mean, running over each other, absolutely, just to catch a glimpse of this musician that was supposed in the streets. I mean, by the thousands, everybody leaves everything they're doing and they're just running just to see them. I thought, wow, that's incredible. So they can get a, a picture of them or something. In heaven, it's a lot different. And that is the kingdom that is here. Think about when we serve, when we help someone else. One of the things that is so beautiful, and Jesus said there, In Mark chapter 8, verse 34, if you're going to come follow me, you have to deny yourself. What that means is, I think in practical terms, is that we are always looking for ways to serve other people, and it's not about me. How can I, can I open the door for you? If it's our spouse, how can I outserve you so you're not outserving me? How can I help my children get to where they need to be. How can I help the people in my church get to where they are supposed to be in God instead of them there to serve Matt? Right? If, if that mentality is greatness growing in the kingdom. Every one of us are to the, you know, the, to the degree that we are serving others when no one is watching. I'm telling you what, heaven sees every part of that and not one 
element, not one day, not one minute of service for someone else, of love extended with action towards someone else, is forgotten. All of that leads up to those moments, I believe, that will be in heaven, or will be later ruling and reigning with him on this earth. However he does all of that, all of that will come into play. All of that will be rewarded. There will be, and the reward from heaven, imagine, with millions of people and the Father and angels and saints before us honoring people you've never heard of, hearing stories about what they've done and how that is, Jesus is saying, if you want to be great, go for it. I want you to go for it. But here's what that means. That doesn't mean sitting on my right hand or my left in a sense, which is what two of the disciples, their mom asked for anyway. It's serving. It's being childlike. It's having fun. It's trusting me. It's listening to me. It's doing what I've asked. Though That's greatness. All right. And my time is over, and we got through three sections of this. I would like to pray for us, if that's all right. Can we do that? Um. Three of the things we talked about there that are brought out in this passage, the first one is where the Father says, listen, right? The second one is where Jesus says, everything's possible if you'll believe. And then the third one is, to be the greatest is to serve. And so, man, I can apply all all three of those things. I need in my life, and so if you are like me, let's just agree together, that that the Holy Spirit will help shift these things in us and reprioritize the things in our life. And anything that's out of whack, he's so good at changing that for us, we'll allow him. Just like that father of that demon-possessed boy, who I, I choose to believe right now and help my unbelief. Just that, I mean, that's just beautiful. Just a recognition right that moment. Yes, okay, I'm not believing enough right now. I choose to believe. And where I'm lacking, help. That is, uh, that's a childlike prayer as well. So, Lord, we just come before you right now and say thank you for your word that is alive. Thank you for this place. Thank you for Holy Spirit, for you being alive, living inside of each one of us, for calling us sons and daughters, for awakening us as to who we are in you. And we ask right now to any and every degree that we need these things that we just talked about inside of us, or we need to listen, you're inviting us to listen and set aside all of the distractions. Would you help us, Holy Spirit? Would you help us do that? Would you give us a plan for that? And would you just gently draw us and woo us to you, not out of performance, but out of relationship, out of love, out of intimacy, that we would be drawn to listen to you. And I ask also that you would increase our faith. We just come to you like that, Father. Say, we choose to believe. We believed in the past. We believe right now. But also increase our belief. Increase and help. Lord, fill in the gaps in any area of our lives where there's not faith. We're not going for We're not trusting you. I ask you to help our faith grow it. And we also ask, Lord, that you would help us to be childlike. Trusting you with everything. Having fun. And enjoying you and not living in a place of worry or anxiety, but giving all those to you, knowing you've got the very best for each one of us and having a blast in this life, in this generation. Lord, give us that balance with being serious and having, a, having fun. 
And I thank you for each one of these, what you're doing in their hearts and lives. We love you, Jesus. If we haven't said it today, actually we sang it earlier, but we just want to say it again. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody. Uh, I love Matt Peterson. And uh, so, well, today was a really great day for me because I got to come to church today and I didn't have to lead worship and I didn't have to preach. I love doing both of those things, but today was really fantastic because I could just come to church and then enjoy it all. And um, But I was asked to take up the offering which I like to do that, too. I like to take up offerings because it's a really great opportunity to bless somebody that I love. And so we're going to take up an offering right now for Matt. Um, Matt has five sons, and I have five daughters, and we haven't really gotten any of them together yet. But, you know, there's still a lot of open opportunity yet. I mean, I, all of my children are extremely beautiful and his, his sons are, you know, they're, they're handsome guys. I mean, at least a couple of them are anyways, you know, but, uh, anyways, so awkward. (laughs) All right. So if you want to give money to Matt Peterson, the best way to do it is to take out your phone and pull up your text message and Type in seven seven uh, let's see seven seven nine dash seven seven and type in QCC giving into the uh, message bar and then hit send and it will take you to this wonderful little website called pushpay.com. You'll see our logo on there and then you can type in the amount like one zero 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 dot zero zero. Was that a thousand? I think that was a thousand. But the most important thing for you to do is where it says fund, um, you need to hit guest speaker on that so that we'll know to get that money to Matt. We won't keep any of it. We'll give it all to him. So go ahead and give do that. But if you prefer to give cash or check, these handsome gentlemen have envelopes. Just raise your hand if you need something. Um, yep, there's some folks back there. And um, also wanted to let you know, uh, man, how many of y'all were impacted by that message today in a pretty significant way? I, For me, I have a big problem listening. I, I, I was really getting convicted about that this morning. I am inundated with so many things, and I was just, I got this idea that the church will be powerful and subversive the more we listen to the Father, to the Spirit, the more we stop out of our busyness and slow down and just listen to what the Spirit is saying. It's almost like the Lord wants us wants to teach us to move at a different rhythm than the speed of the world, to move at the rhythm of the Holy Spirit. So that's what I'm going to work on this week. By God's grace, I'm going to spend some time listening to him. Okay, uh, they're still going through with those buckets. I'm going to pray over this offering that will be multiplied. Father, thank you for all these givers. I pray that you bless them right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for this offering, Lord. We thank you for the gift that you give us. 
Just bless the Peterson family in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, we've got ministry teams available this morning. If you need prayer for any reason, please come to the front here. Stephen Giordano and his team are going to be up here just praying for people. Um, The rest of y'all are dismissed, but only if you have a great day as you go. All right? Have a fantastic week. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.